Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now podcast channel. Our conversation today will offer reflections and takeaways from President Biden's congressional address, a breakdown of the American Families Plan, an update on tax policy, and more. So joining me here on the line for the conversation, glad to welcome back to the podcast Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy and Washington, D.C. So, Shane, good to be with you on a Monday morning this week. Was a very busy week last week, so looking forward to recapping some of those key topics with you, as I mentioned, and hearing your thoughts. But welcome back. Good to be back with you, Dan. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So last week on Wednesday, the marquee event, President Biden delivered his first formal address. A joint session to Congress was not coined as a State of the Union, though nonetheless, the forum was uh, reminiscent of what you would expect for a State of the Union. President Biden, he covered several topics on the minds of Americans. So I'm curious how, from a logistical standpoint, the address was reshaped as a result of the pandemic, as well as capital security concerns. And what did you take away from the address, Shane? Yeah, no, this looked very different from the presidential addresses to Congress that we're used to uh, for, you know, uh, years past. Um, this year, because of the pandemic and security, you know, the the capital was much tighter. Uh, I think there were only 200 lawmakers in the room and they were spread out um, and not only on the floor, but also in the galleries. So, you know, you're used to hearing big thunderous ovations and, you know, that was not uh, present at this address. So it really made for uh, a different address and, you know, um, a lower tone, which is, you know, uh, President Biden's style. Uh, in fact, when you compare him to, you know, uh, President Trump or even a President Obama, you know, and I think this speech kind of fit. Uh, President uh, Biden's style, uh, you know, it was effective and authentic uh, for who he is. You know, it didn't have that soaring uh, rhetoric uh, or the noteworthy headlines, but it was very effective and matched his style. So, you know, I think as he now hits the road to sell the plans he discussed in in that uh, uh, speech, you know, that will be just as important uh, to see how successful that speech was. You know, it, but I would also note that it was very interesting that, you know, foreign policy really wasn't a big topic. And if, if you think about who Joe Biden is, um, historically, he's someone who, you know, is very um, interested personally in foreign policy and, you know, kind of um, thinks of himself as a foreign policy person. So, you know, for, for him not to really address that in this speech really shows um, where the priorities are for him and his administration at this time. To that point, the U.S. economy is top of mind for many of our clients. And within the latest UBS investor sentiment, 63% of investors surveyed believe that President Biden will have a positive impact on the U.S. economy over the next four years. And much of that hinges, though, on successfully managing through the pandemic, unifying the country, and updating infrastructure. So running with one of the points covered during the address, uh, that being the American Families Plan, can you walk us through? some of the components of this proposal and what the proposal plans to deliver. Right, right. No, and, you know, that that is that is um, going to be a big part of his uh, presidency. You know, we ha- we've already seen his infrastructure and then 
uh, plan, which called for about $2.3 trillion in spending. And now this new proposal, the American Families Plan, is uh, another $1.8 trillion um, in spending. You know, um, I, I think you could break it down into a few categories. You know, uh, first, the education side. Um, then, you know, the family uh, side, which has to do with family leave, child care, but also um, things like nutrition programs. You know, I think there's $45 billion in the in the plan for nutrition programs. Um, you know, we're talking about uh, $225 billion being spent on uh, paid uh, family medical leave programs, um, child care costs, you know, uh, universal pre-K. Uh, on the education side, uh, there's $225 billion for uh, free community college. Uh, and then, you know, uh, on the education side, you also see um, a lot of money and effort being uh, put towards colleges and universities that are serving minority groups. So, you know, um, I think the Biden administration, you know, while it's called the American Families Plan, they see it as a long-term um, kind of infrastructure, um, maybe social infrastructure uh, for the United States, you know, making sure that we have talent in the pipeline for our workforce, making sure that, you know, um, kids, uh, there's universal pre-K, so parents don't have to, you know, um, take time off of work to watch their kids, or maybe one parent is not work in the workforce right now because they have to watch the kids, so this way, both parents could be in the workforce. So this is uh, I think a long-term vision of, you know, not only ha- how to help families, but how to maybe remodel the ec- economy for years to come. So as you broke it down for us, Shane, clearly a wide-ranging and comprehensive plan, which will come, of course, with the price tag. The question becomes, how does all of this spending get funded? It was interesting. Last Tuesday, President Biden updated us on the prospects for an estate tax expansion as a funding means for the administration's economic initiatives, plans. So what can you share with us on that front, Shane, and how has this update been received? And can you remind us of other funding sources being considered for all of this economic stimulus and infrastructure initiatives? Yeah, so great question. So this plan is is paid for with tax increases that focus on the individuals. So, you know, an increase to the top uh, tax bracket, which is currently at 37 percent, increasing that uh, to 39.6, an increase to um, the taxation of long term capital gains. Uh, to uh, make that parallel with uh, ordinary income tax rates. So, you know, the highest earners could potentially see a cap gains rate of 39.6. We don't believe that will actually pass into law. We think something more measured like a 28% increase will happen. So, you know, this is something obviously we're keeping an eye on because it impacts uh, our investors and clients. Um, the, cap, uh, the estate tax, as you noted, is a big piece of this plan. And, you know, I think it's, this is maybe one of the more interesting components to me of how it's going to play out, because you see President uh, Biden talking about eliminating the step-up basis. And this step-up basis, what it is, is it has to do with inherited assets, you know, and, and taxing them based on what they were originally acquired at versus what they were inherited at, um, because that could be a big delta uh, for whoever inherited that asset. Um you know, and it's very interesting because that's what President Biden is talking about, where traditionally Democrats in Congress have been talking about estate tax issues more 
uh, about, you know, uh, bringing back the estate tax levels to what they were in previous years, lowering the exemption level and increasing the tax rate. And so it's going to be interesting to see how Democrats reconcile. Do they maybe do all three or do they, um, you know, kind of pull back and just go to uh, the, the path of least resistance here, which would probably be going back to what the estate tax levels were a few years ago. Um, now, and these are just a few examples. There's more in the bill. Um, but, you know, what maybe we should think about on the large scale is, as you point out, you know, these tax increases are meant to be pay, are meant to be used to pay for the American Families Plan. But we already have a set of tax increases that the Biden administration is proposing that would be used to pay for um, the infrastructure bill. Um, you know, these are two separate moving trains at this moment, or that's how the Biden administration envisions it. But I think as we take a look at the, you know, 2021 and how it's likely to play out, I think we see these two bills kind of merging, or at least the tax increases merge. And there's one bill this year that contains both the tax increases to corporations and the tax increases to individuals. So uh, this will be something we definitely uh, will be following and, and talking more about. Thank you, Shane. Very helpful clarity. Maybe if we stick with tax policy for a few moments within that UBS investor sentiment report, uh, we did uncover that 53% of investors were concerned about tax increases. Now, having said that, more than two thirds of investors surveyed support increasing things like the corporate tax rate and payroll tax uh, that funds Social Security. So, Shane, what do you think is the likely outcome of President Biden's tax plan on the economy? overall yeah overall i think that um we do expect the bill to be passed and we do expect taxes to go up i think it will probably be pared back and some of the more ambitious uh tax ideas you've heard maybe uh over the past few years not get into the final bill you know something like a, a wealth tax that uh, certain progressive democrats have proposed i don't think that will be in the final equation but i do think the core elements uh, will be in it. And the core elements would be, a, you know, increased to, uh, corporate tax rates, um, increased to the highest earners in Americans. And, and both of those will be done through a variety of means. Um, but, you know, w- when this bill gets pared back, you know, that doesn't, you know, mean that that's in totality good for the economy because the taxes increases are lowered. You know, you have to think about these tax increases not happening in isolation. So Democrats are, as we said, are envisioning about pairing it with infrastructure spending. So Democrats, when they look at the bill on its totality, are trying to figure out, you know, while there may be tax increases that could be detrimental to the economy, do they believe that the spending on the infrastructure side is enough to offset that and grow the economy at this point? They believe that is going to be the case. Um, but, you know, we have to see the final details of not only the the tax side, but the spending side of this plan as it develops. Maybe one final topic, and this is completely switching gears from uh, the tax policy, economic policy points we've covered thus far. I do recall last week controversy emerged surrounding John Kerry, President Biden's climate envoy, and reported information sharing with Iran was at the crux of that. So what do we know as of today, Shane, and what have lawmakers been calling for in response? Yes. So, um, 
this is uh, in response to, you know, um, leaked audio of Iranian Foreign Minister Javad Zarif. Um, and, you know, in this leaked audio, many subjects are covered. But one of the things he says is that uh, John Kerry, um, the former U.S. Secretary of State, who is now as uh, the um, a climate envoy for President Biden, you know, told him uh, this information about, you know, Israel and their attacks on, on the Iranian regime um, over the years. So, you know, John Kerry has denied that he shared any such information. Uh, Republicans in Capitol Hill are calling for uh, John Kerry's resignation. So this is an interesting back and forth. You're seeing Iranian Foreign Minister Zarif um, kind of do an apology tour uh, right now um, in Iran because his comments weren't just limited to, to this issue, but also, you know, a variety of internal uh, Iranian issues. He's, he's, he's more focused on those uh, and trying to, you know, smooth it over right now with the Iranian regime. Um, so this is going to be interesting. I think, you know, Republicans in Capitol Hill will pursue this. Uh, they'd like to get this feather in their cap if they could and get uh, John Kerry out of the administration. Um, you know, so this is this is going to um, not go quietly. Republicans will continue to talk about it. And, you know, it, it could cause some problems for the Biden administration uh, long term, you know, uh, it may be almost quicker for John Kerry to exit the administration to to rip off the Band-Aid so that he can move on. But uh, I, I don't think that's going to happen as of yet. And they'll try and hold on. And if the crescendo uh, continues and starts to be a problem, uh, you know, that could be the outcome. But I, I don't think that's going to be the immediate outcome here. Yeah, well, it was a very interesting revelation last week. So we will see how this materializes, though. Thank you, Shane, for bringing us up to speed in terms of where we stand with this and how it might progress from here. And thank you as well, Shane, for all of the insights that you provided our listeners, our clients today, namely those surrounding tax and economic policy. And we'll look forward to following up on those points with you on future podcasts. So thank Thank you again for joining us this morning and have a great rest of your week. Thank you, Dan. Looking forward to catching up with you next time. Take care. Thank you, Shane. And again, today we have been joined by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. As a reminder to our clients and listeners, please be sure to reference the latest edition of the Washington Weekly Publication, which can be located on UBS.com forward slash Washington Weekly. For clients of UBS, you can also contact your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of the Washington Weekly Publication directly. As a reminder, UBS released the latest Q1 Investor Sentiment Report on April 28th. For full findings, please visit UBS.com forward slash investor dash sentiment. The Washington Weekly Podcast is part of the UBS In The Now podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. 
It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.